Welcome to the Kelly Roach Show, the place for no fluff, easy to implement, 20 minute or less business and leadership lessons to help you build a sustainable business that scales, lead with integrity and create a lasting legacy. I'm Kelly Roach, former NFL cheerleader and Fortune 500 executive turned eight figure entrepreneur. Let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Kelly Roach Show, and I'm super pumped to have with me here today, Adam Tank. Hey, Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly. Thanks. So Adam has a long and very fascinating journey and has accomplished quite a lot. Um, One of the the topics that really caught my attention, obviously, I am all about bringing clean drinking water to to people around the world. That's one of our uh, philanthropic focuses as an organization. And you have done a huge service to the world in the creation that you helped to bring to the world and then, you know, facilitated, obviously, a transaction around it. You have learned and helped many others around this idea of gaining investors for their business so that they can accomplish their highest potential. So let's talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and like, how did we twist and turn the way that we did? I would love for people to hear that. Sure, sure. I I appreciate you asking the question, Kelly. My journey has been, I'd say, fairly non-traditional in the sense that I grew up in a family that had no business sense at all. None. I was taught that the paycheck every two weeks, the big company benefits, knowing where you yeah. know your food's going to come from, that's the only way you can live. And so I had, it was basically government employees and, and public school teachers. And when I entered college, my first real foray into entrepreneurship was that I had a fraternity brother who was a giant stoner. He worked at Papa John's Pizza. And... <laughs> One of the challenges. I mean, we're already winning. We're already yeah. Winning. There we go. Right. Exactly. It's perfect. It's like a. It's match made in heaven. So yeah. he he was working at Papa John's, and one of the challenges they had was that when they make pizzas, all of the ingredients oftentimes get mixed into the bins with with one another. So the cheese gets into the sauce, the sauce gets into the the meats, the etc. And it causes big problems: refunds, upset customers, etc. Uh, health safety concerns. So we created a simple device that helped keep those ingredients separate. And the only reason this is important to note for my entrepreneurial journey is that the only thing I did relative to creating that business was be the pitch guy. I didn't know what a business plan was. I didn't know how to sell, create a product. I didn't know anything other than how to speak. And he, my business partner told me, I don't need you to do anything more than just present in front of the judges for this entrepreneurship competition. And we went from there. We won that pitch comp. And then that sort of like kicked off my entrepreneurial journey. And it's been a wild ride since. That's amazing. And I love the fact that you're pointing out something that I think is really unknown in the world of entrepreneurship, which is that CEOs and founders of companies can play such vastly different Mm -hmm. roles. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that in the real world of business, you know, the the CEO or the founder, many times the founder is not even necessarily involved in the day-to-day at all. They may just sit on the board or they may just be an outside investor or whatever the case. Um, I love that from the very beginning, your partner was like, okay, I'm going to be the, the guy behind the scenes here. You're right. going to be the guy that like goes out and, and does the, the talking and, yes. you know, whatever. And you were both able to leverage your strengths. And obviously it worked. 
And I think it's something so important for entrepreneurs to think about because I think most entrepreneurs spend 98% of their time trying to be something that they're not and do something that makes them miserable instead of saying, hey, let me figure out this, this one part of the business that I'm like exceptional at. And then let me go find people to surround myself with that can do the rest. Totally. Right? Totally. Doubling down on the strengths yeah. is something that isn't often taught. Everyone always says, you know, be willing to fail, be willing to fail. And I get it. If you're taking shots, you're going to miss some. That's just yes. the way it works. Yes. However, I think you seriously enhance your chance of success if you focus on what you're good at, because yes. you, that's something that other people can't easily replicate. Agreed. You know, why spend time trying to get good at something you're not? When you can take something you're good at and become great, that's what gets you to the next level. That's the stuff. Absolutely. Okay. So I didn't mean to interrupt the journey. No, you're good. You're good. You win the pinch competition and then what happens? So I I was a microbiology major in college, which is why I had no clue about business. And when I graduated, I had a medical and MCAT book in one hand and a job offer in the other. And I ended up going to work for a Fortune 500 as an engineer in food and bev. And I very quickly found out that that conservative paycheck every two weeks mindset was not for me. Mm-hmm. And so I constantly gravitated towards other people and other parts of the company that were sales and marketing focused, but then also had a number of different side hustles. I read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week at the time. Um, I went and worked and lived internationally, worked for a small business to get closer to the roots yeah. of you know, different divisions of a company. Um, I started some fun, different things. I started an affiliate marketing website with Amazon. I made my first 67 cent commission check, um, selling just yeah. random stuff and was just yeah. elated, right? That yes. I could even make a penny doing something online. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that flopped and we can talk about it if we want. Yeah. But since then, I then I then got into venture capital with General Electric as an investor. I then went on the other side of the table and raised venture capital to start a robotics company, which you're referring to around clean water. Yes. And then that company, I exited to a publicly traded company. And then recently, 2019, founded most recent SaaS business. We've raised just north of 13 million bucks to do it and are growing like wildfire. Yeah, no, that's that's an amazing journey. Um, so let's let's dial back again. Um, so you're at the Fortune 500. You're like, this is not for me, right? I have to start like exploring and learning. How did you end up getting into the robotics and producing this product for clean drinking water? So I, I had basically, um, we'll call it a come to Jesus chat with someone in that Fortune 500 when I was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. I was working in a manufacturing plant, it was 24-7, three shifts a day, going yeah. in at 2, 3, 4 a.m. to fight fires. Yeah. And I felt that the key to a successful business, again, keep in mind, I was an engineer, knew nothing about it, Yes. was in manufacturing, it was in product. Yes. If you don't have a product to sell, yes. What's you don't have a business. Right. And there was an executive that came into the plant and he was he was a sales and marketing guy and he basically said, "You couldn't be more wrong. You have no clue what you're talking about. If mm-hmm. we could find someone else to manufacture our thing cheaper, better, faster, we would do it." Mm-hmm. The only reason we're as successful as we are and that we can sell a 10 cent box of cereal for $4 on a shelf is because of our marketing, our branding, and basically are a presence in the market. Mm-hmm. And that totally blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of it crawled back to my cubicle and was like, okay, I got to figure out something else to do in my life. And, <laughs> and, and moving internationally, working in a small business, I found out that I really enjoy the sales and marketing side of okay. things. And I really, really love that. And okay. I ended up getting an MBA and then went to work for a water company after grad okay. school. And that was my foray into water. 
Okay. Okay. Now let's fast forward. I want to talk a little bit about uh, raising capital for your business because I think there are a lot of brilliant people with big ideas that run out of cash before they're able to bring them to fruition. And specifically, you know, I think that the need for venture capital in a service-based business is in a lot, in a lot of ways unnecessary. In a product-based business, I mean, it's one in, I wouldn't even say a million that you're going to bring a product to market um, without either burning through every dollar you have, mm-hmm. you know, and or going into debt in order to to bring it to the market. So I would love for you to share some of the the top key learnings that you've had on both sides of the table sure. from a venture capital standpoint that you think could really make a difference for the people that are listening to the show today. Sure. So let's start on the venture capital side. What okay. an investor is looking for for an investable business. Yeah. The, thi- the the number one thing you have to keep in mind is that they are an investor. Yes. They're not your friend. They're yeah. not a product marketer. They're yes. not an engineering guru. They are an investor. Their job is to make money for the people that have invested in them. Yes. So to that end, keep in mind when you're getting ready to start a business and it's seeking capital, your one key message is that I'm going to make you money. Here's how much I anticipate making you and on what timeline. Yes. I won't say everything else is immaterial, but it's pretty damn close. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that, that's, I think that's really, really good baseline because i think that a lot of businesses fall in love with their product and correct you know and yes. and that's not necessarily the perspective that an investor is going to have right yes okay yes. so that's a great baseline then where yes. would we go from there all right so let's let's go to the other side of the table you're an entrepreneur looking to raise money for your yes. product and i agree with you a service-based business you should not raise cash unless you're really trying to like blow yeah. it up and you absolutely yeah. need it agreed Along the same lines of an investor needing to make a return, the only way you're going to generate a return for an investor is by generating revenue, by and large. Yes, there are some exceptions to the rule, but most of the time they're looking for a business that's generating healthy cash that they can sell for a great multiple. And the way you're going to generate cash is by sales. Yeah. And the problem that a lot of early stage entrepreneurs fall into, especially the ones that are creating products, is that they are product focused first. They love product. They love tinkering. They think that if you build it, they will come, which is the biggest fallacy in all of entrepreneurship. Absolutely. So, yeah. So my number one thing, if you're on the other side of the table looking to build a business and raise capital is go out and try to sell the product that you are planning to build before you ever build it. Yeah. Go to your single biggest customer that you think is going to get the most value from this idea and try to sell it to them. What's going to happen is you're going to learn two things real quick. Number one, can you actually sell? Can you get in front of a decision maker and just get the time of day? That's a challenge in and of itself. The second one is when you do get in front of that person, how ugly is your baby? And they're going to tell you right away. I'm yeah. not going to buy this thing. Here's why. If I was, here's what it needs to do. Here's the price point I'm willing to buy it at, et cetera. And guess what? When you do that, you now have a product roadmap you can use to develop the product that you plan to sell to this person. And you have someone who's already bought in as your first customer. Love it. Love it. Simple. Simple. It It, it is simple, but we 
don't do things simply. <laughs> no, especially if <laughs> right. you're passionate about the thing you're building. You know, you're so mission driven or you've been, you've been, you know, you've been sitting this idea for 10, 15, yes. 20 years and you're like, oh, yes. I just got to put this thing out there. You've been tinkering in your garage, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not about the product. It's yeah. just simply not about the product. For sure. So, so talk to us a little bit about um, some of the specifics of, you know, so let's say someone is like, all right, I want to put a pitch deck together. I want to go find an investor. I feel like for a lot of entrepreneurs, like they don't know where to start or who Mm. they would even try to pitch to. How do you discern who or how to get the process started if this is the route that you believe that you should go in your business? I So I, I like that you sort of qualify it with that last statement because I actually encourage entrepreneurs not to go down the venture capital route, if at all possible. Mm-hmm. Stay mm-hmm. away from investors as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of people say the first round of investment in an early stage business is what's called friends and family. Mm-hmm. If you absolutely desperately need to raise money, you can go yep. to them. Make yeah. sure they know that they're probably going to lose it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. quite common. Um, but I would say, again, put the pitch deck aside for a second. Go out and try to sell this idea of the thing that you have before you build it. You don't even, you don't, if it's a physical product, you don't need the physical product to go and sell it. You can create yeah. lines on your computer. You can create sketches. You can write. Yeah. Go take that to market first. Mm-hmm. Once you have that, you might be surprised. You may actually have a customer who's willing to fund this thing, which is the best form of financing in most cases, sales, revenue. Um, Your customer may say, you know what? I don't don't have the appetite to take the risk that you can build this thing. However, maybe a couple of of my friends and I can pull together. I know a local investor networks that can help out. You know, maybe I can make some introductions for you. You'll start to see once you put this stuff out in the world, it's going to return in one way or another. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing is don't overthink it. Just go take action, go get in front of people, go try to sell it. And I think you're going to find that the money is going to come either in the form of sales or people who are interested in investing, if it's a worthwhile idea. Yeah, I always say, I I think of investors and I have not pursued investors for any of my businesses. I've just bootstrapped everything. But I always say, I, I think the same thing applies to investors as applies to preparing a business for exit. If you're building it the right way, you ultimately won't like need it, meaning... Mm -hmm. Along the journey of you trying to get yourself in a position to acquire an investor, the things that you need to do in order to get someone to want to invest, if you fix those things, you probably won't actually need an investor anymore sure. because that's probably the reason why you need an investor in the first place. Now, a lot of people obviously do it and it's amazing and and you know it allows them to do things that they'd never be able to otherwise. Um, but I think that there's also like a downside and a dark side that comes with that, especially depending on the type of investor that you get. Oh, so yeah. why don't you share a little bit of the good, the bad, and the ugly of the different types of investors that you can get in your business and kind of what, what you would say the pros and cons are of where you would say, do this, don't do that. And here's what you need to know is going to happen. So I'll tell you the the dark side first, because I think yeah. that's probably more fun and what a lot of people aren't exposed to. Yeah. When you see these big headlines of businesses being bought for seven figures, eight figures, uh-huh. nine figures, billions of dollars, what you don't know is that I won't say the majority of cases but a large percentage of those cases, the founding team or the entrepreneurs walk away with nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. So you see these big headlines and you're like, holy yeah. crap, this person is you know, a multimillionaire now, they're set for life, et cetera. 
I've had multiple friends in Silicon Valley go and raise 10, 20, 50, $100 million, sell their business and walk away with nothing. Now, they may have a lucrative job offer at the end of it, but they aren't making any exit from the five, seven, 10 years of hard work that they've done. In their how business. does that happen? Like, talk to me about how, how does one get oneself in a situation where that happens? <laughs> I, I, I really yeah. need to understand. Yeah, no, no, no. So, so it's, um, this is good. This is why I asked the question. Yeah, this is absolutely. why I asked the question. Absolutely. So there is this, so, so back to what we talked about a bit earlier, Kelly, around investors being investors, yeah. they know all the ins and outs of how to structure deals in a way that's beneficial for them. And yep. they're looking out for number one first. Yeah. So when it comes to professional investors and what I'm talking about specifically are yep. venture capital investors, yep. yes. they know how to structure rounds of financing. They know how to put companies in a position where they're basically in a in desperate situations needing cash so that they can put more yep. in to buy more of the company. Yes. So before yes. you know it, you've layered on multiple rounds of financing with like crappy you don't terms. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So not only do upon an exit scenario, do you not own a meaningful percentage of the company? You don't have a choice of whether or not you want to sell. Yeah. But you also, in many cases, you're paying back the investors first. And it's not just one set, it's layers of investors yeah. before any of the rest of the profits trickle down to the founding team or the entrepreneurs. Yes. And that happens so frequently, so wow. frequently. Yep. Uh, you know, I was definitely aware of the the deal structuring and the trouble that you can get in with that. Um, I was definitely aware that those big headlines um, we're only fractionally representative of mm -hmm. like what the entrepreneur got, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm actually very surprised that there are so many people that are exiting and actually not really ending up with anything. I sure. mean, that's, that's amazing, but I, I completely believe it. And I understand, I understand what you're saying because once you start going down that path and you're doing rounds and rounds of investing, you're giving away, people don't realize that I would, I, this is how I describe it to entrepreneurs. And, and again, I'm not for it or against it. I, I think if it's right for you and you know what you're doing, it can work out really, really well. Sure. But I think a lot of people don't realize that once you take on an investor in your business, you now have a boss. Correct. This is how I describe it to entrepreneurs. When you take money from someone else, you are not in charge of you and yourself and, and your business anymore. You now have a boss. You are now accountable to this person, right? And a lot of entrepreneurs think that being an entrepreneur in and of itself is stressful. Well, imagine now you have that stress of being an entrepreneur and you have a boss and that boss right. is not going to come in and help you. They're not going to come in and save you. They're just going to sit on the sidelines and whip you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So this is my perspective on it, and I've never done it, but that's why I'm asking the questions. This sure. is just my my naive perspective. Now, I do want to talk about the good side of investing. Yep. So, can you walk us through um, maybe some times where this can work out really, really well, or some examples that you've seen where it was actually a really good match between the business mm -hmm. and the investor that mm -hmm. they got, and this was like a match made in heaven. It worked out well for the investor. It worked out well for the, the business and why? Yeah, absolutely. So there, when if you are someone considering raising venture capital, and we didn't get into all the different types of investment you can raise for your business, but yeah. we'll just- Which I, I would venture. love to, if we have time, I would like to talk yeah. about that because I know yep. they're very, very different. Sure, okay. sure. 
So when you, if you're someone that's thinking about raising venture capital, the level of diligence that you should be doing with the investor is at minimum equal to or more than the diligence they're going to do on you yeah. as an entrepreneur and and as your business. And the, the best way I had it described to me was think about it in terms of a marriage. Yes. But like 10x the stakes. Yeah. It's even more intense than that and treat it, yeah. treat it as seriously as you would a marriage. So where it ends up working out is that a really good investor, you could, you could almost think of it as like an instant, um, we'll call it multiplier on your business in the sense that one plus one doesn't just equal three, it equals 50 or a hundred. And yes. the way that that happens, I can speak for myself personally, is that the set yes. of investors that we're working with now at Transcend, they have expertise where we don't. Yes. So in our case, that's building software businesses. Yeah. We have software background, but like we're not a group of software first. Right. People. You have the concept and you have the thing that you want to deliver. They have like the technical. That's right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they, they mm-hmm. understand how to market a business like ours to a broader audience. So when the time comes for an exit, they know how to position it properly. They know how to run all the financials. Yeah. They know right, all that stuff. And they have connections to people who may end up being acquirers. Yes. We also yes. have folks that are industry specific experts. So they're making connections to customers. They're getting us in front of panels at different trade shows and conferences. Yeah. They're the ones that are sending us emails saying, Hey, have you guys thought about this? Have you applied for this award? You know, um, introducing us to their investors, their LPs who may also have more connections in a broader, you know, a broader arena. So that's where it really works out is when you're not looking for someone who who is a yes man or yes woman, but someone who's actually going to challenge you in a meaningful way, but also bring connections and expertise that you don't have on the founding team. So you basically have an additional team member of sorts. Yeah, that is going to help you get to that next level. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how does one find these people? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You like in in this case specifically, did you already have in mind like, okay, we know what our strengths are and we want to go find someone that conceptually would be the right marriage and we're going to go pitch our concept to them and say, here's what we bring to the table. This is what we would want you as an investor to bring to the table. Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Yes. for In our case, that that was... That's yeah. exactly how it played yeah. out. So we're building yeah. a software business. It's in this sphere. Here's the yeah. types that customers are going after. So let's look at some lookalikes. Let's go on. Yes. In my world, it's you go to Crunchbase. Okay. It's a big okay. database of investors who invest in okay. early stage startups. And you can see who else have they invested in? Have they had exits before? Has anyone been acquired? Have they gone so you get to do your due diligence oh, on them, just how ma- they're doing. Majorly. Okay. Okay. majorly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but yeah. I would say like most individuals either aren't ready to go down that path because it's it's mm-hmm. you have to know what you're doing to a degree. Yeah. I have a background of venture capital, so it's a bit yeah. easy for me to say. I would actually encourage people to, to look locally. Mm-hmm. So in a lot mm-hmm. of places, there are local investor syndicates, angel investing groups or mm-hmm. networks. You can go to the small business centers in your city who can talk yeah. to you about different types of financing. Don't think you have to start with this grandiose idea of raising yeah. all this money and doing these big things. Yeah. Start small. Don't overthink it. Get yourself in the market and just take yeah. put one foot in front of another and good yeah. things are going to happen. No, that's that's awesome advice. Uh, are there any resources, books, anything that was helpful for you? Obviously, you learned a lot through experience, right? Because sure. you've been there, sure. done it, you've seen sure. it, you've lived in the world, you've been up close to it. But when you're talking to someone, um, you know, like the audience that's listening today, are there any resources that you would say to them? Like, these are some things that can help you to understand even 
what conversation you should be having, what questions to ask, how to do due diligence, you know, that kind of thing. I would say for for me early on in my career, it was more of a mindset shift than a knowledge shift. And the mm-hmm. book that changed the, the trajectory for me was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's my favorite book of all time. It, okay, I so reread it go. every year. I've reread uh, it every year for almost 15 years. It's yeah. it, I love I love that you do that. And it's such a phenomenal reminder that the world is your oyster. Whatever yeah. it is that you want to achieve, you can achieve it. Yeah. Um, so I would say if you're if it's if it, if you're looking for more of a mindset shift, maybe you feel stuck, maybe you feel like you're in a rut, you don't really, you know, you're kind of like, is this really for me? I don't I don't have anyone else to talk to about this stuff. Read a book like Think and Grow Rich, and I think it'll unlock a part of your brain maybe that you didn't it wasn't there before it's, or was there it just wasn't open to you. Yeah. On the other hand, if you're looking for more technical resources, again, I'd start with a small business center or even a local yeah. library. You can ask. Yeah. The librarians, phenomenal resources. Hey, yeah. I'm I'm trying to start a business. What books do you recommend yeah. I yeah. start with? And they'll give yeah. you a whole boatload. There's yeah. a ton specifically around entrepreneurship and like venture stage companies, um, venture deals, Andreessen Horowitz, Peter Thiel. You can look up these big name investors. Yeah. They all have books. They're all helpful. Mm-hmm. But again, like start small. If small. you're just getting started, yeah. start small one foot in front of another. Yeah, that's such great advice. So let's fast forward to today. So mm-hmm. now you're building this SaaS company, yes? Right, and right. you have found that match made in heaven, right? Um, so you're building what you're building. You also have a strategic partner in doing that. Like, Talk to me a little bit about what, what this new venture is that you're creating. Yeah, so the water mission is near and dear to my heart, both personally and professionally. And what we are aiming to solve is accelerating fixing the world's broken infrastructure. Mm, mm-hmm. I'll give you one data point and I could bore you for days, Kelly, around this, but the the one that I love to mention that people don't even think about around clean water specifically is that in a country like the United States, 30% of fresh water is lost when it leaves the treatment plant before it reaches your house. 30%. percent it's just gone. So when we think about water scarcity, we th- we we hear these things like wells are drying up, or yeah. you see these horrific pictures of lakes shrinking in yeah. Arizona, Nevada, California. Thirty yeah. percent of the water is being lost. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. That's crazy. So wow. what we're doing now with with Transcend is we have a software that automatically designs this infrastructure without spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and man hours, engineering hours to do it. So we can get capital in the ground faster and rebuild faster so we can have better services for all of us. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I, that's that's so great. Um, I don't remember the stats. I've donated to Charity Water for a really long time in my business where we just fully funded two water projects with them in the last two years. Amazing organization. Um, and yeah, definitely. And, and, but I remember when I was doing that and I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but I think there's like almost a billion people that still don't have clean drinking yes. water. Yes. I don't, I can't wrap my brain around that. And that's why I donate to them mm-hmm. consistently, but I cannot wrap my brain around that. I mean, we're talking about putting people on, on another planet, right? We're, we're, you know, sending people into space and we still have people right here that, that don't have clean drinking water, but like most of the earth is made up of water, right? It's amazing. Exactly I right. love, love that you are doing this work because 
I, I don't know a lot about the technicalities of the infrastructure, but I do know that a lot of the correction that is not being made is not being made because of the massive cost yes. to correct and rebuild the infrastructure. Yes. Yes. And um, I know even locally um, here, like I don't, I don't drink tap water ever. Like I know what's in that and I, everything goes through like, massive filtration system. Um, but I was doing research even on the local water here. And it's like they've known there's been issues for mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. but it's such a massive project to correct it that they just avoid it. So I really, really, really hope that your company just explodes <laughs> and changes you. the world and goes Thank out you. there and does everything that, that you have planned um, because it can change the world and, and it can not only make clean drinking water accessible, but also safe you know, for everyone. So. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Our North Star metric, we review it every month with our whole team. And then of course, with our investors is, and it's right at front page of our website, how many people have been impacted by these designs running our software? And to date, I'm happy I to say, it. you know, we were founded in December, 2019. So it's almost been three years now, over 87 million people have been directly impacted. That is incredible. Oh yeah. my gosh. Talk about a North Star. That's a North <laughs> Star right there. Yep. I love it. Well, how can the people listening today support what you're doing, follow along, be a part of it? Like, how do we learn more? Yeah. If you're interested in any of the water stuff, go to transcendh2o.com. Happy to talk to anyone and everyone about the water mission that we're on. If you want to reach out to me personally, you know, I know we talked a lot about entrepreneurship and, and SaaS, et cetera, investing, but I do open the schedule occasionally to a couple hours a week worth of mentorship for early stage entrepreneurs. So you can email me meet at adamtank.com and Love my it. assistant will find a time to get us scheduled um, and always happy to help out early stage folks like we need all the help we can get. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, congrats on the journey. The work that you're doing is absolutely awe-inspiring with Transcend. So keep doing that amazing work in the world. And thank you for everything that you shared on the show today. I think it was really valuable, gave some great insights from, you know, the inside out of what that world looks like and how to navigate it successfully. So it's great having you here, Adam. Thanks for having me, Kelly. It's a ton of fun. Absolutely. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you back here soon. Thank you so much for listening to The Kelly Roach Show. If you enjoyed this episode, do me two solids. Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review so other people can find the life-changing content that we share here. We're on our way to number one and we need your help getting there. Thanks so much for being a part of the community and for tuning into the show each and every week.